Welcome to the beginning of your work week and to today's version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we're in Matthew 5 through 7. My iPad just fell. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Man, this is good stuff. This is really worthy of more than 20, 30 minutes because it's loaded. But we're going to do our best to give you the rest, okay? And, you know, this is... This is good stuff. This is where we find the Beatitudes. And in general, what's happening here is that Jesus is taking what the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, and he's taking like the Ten Commandments, the law, the book of Moses, and he's taking it deeper. So... It's more than just the actual commission of these commandments. He's making it an affair of the heart because the reality is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ is an affair of the heart. You, you can be real with me and know and say with assurance, that to be in a relationship with Jesus has to be from the heart because we don't see him. We don't go to his place right now. But anyone that has Jesus in their heart knows for real they're in a relationship with him because we see how he works. Now, I was with my son yesterday helping him with some stuff. You know, as I alluded to yesterday, our kids at whatever age think that we, and, and I talked about this in our service yesterday, at whatever age they believe that we can save the day because they have a childlike faith in us, and that's what we really need to have in Jesus. Anyway, I was with him, and I gave him a testimony on how the Lord works, you know. And he's seen God do amazing things. My son's 22, this particular son. I have others too. but And he's seen God do amazing things too. He's seen the Lord heal his mom of affliction from an accident before. He's seen... Just a lot of things because, you know, growing up a preacher's kid, that happens. But, you know, he saw it, and he, this one affects him, and he was kind of touched by it right there in the middle of all these, which was really cool. So, because it benefits, you know, it's a blessing to both of us. I was going to say benefits, which it's a benefit to us, but it's really a blessing and so what the Sermon on the Mount is, it really presses into 
the fact that the law of Moses, the old Ten Commandments, he's bringing the new, the Old Testament into the new and saying it's deeper than just what's written on the page. You can break something without literally breaking it. And so it starts off with the, the Beatitudes. And, you know, we always say these are the B dash attitudes these are attitudes that we you we should carry and be this way in our life you know and i'll i'll go through those rather quickly blessed are those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for jesus because the kingdom of heaven is theirs blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted we say that a lot when people are experiencing loss and that's not to be cliche because you need that. We need that because the Lord is right there. And we don't understand a lot of times why this particular loss takes place. But God wants us to know he's there and he sees the bigger picture. Blessed are those who are humble, which is huge, for they will inherit the whole earth. See, if we stay humble, great things happen. We don't have to speak it. We just have to let our actions reveal it. And I explained that when I was a, the lead field instructor for paramedics. I said, there's a difference between cockiness and confidence. Cockiness has to speak that they have it because they're insecure in what they have where confidence doesn't have to speak it at all confidence just does it and it's revealed through the work they do because they work with excellence because the person that was making the statement about someone being cocky was being cocky and that humbled him right then and there that put his for those that are listening and know who I'm talking about, put his brakes on. They'll track with me on that. So God blesses the those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they'll be satisfied. So if we if we do what is righteous, that's key, because that's coming up later, then things will work out for us. Blessed are those who show mercy because we'll be shown mercy. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure for they'll see God. That makes sense. Blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called children of God. That's huge. God doesn't want us to be stirring the pot. If we go back to the Old Testament where Solomon's writing Proverbs, he says, an abomination to God is one that causes dissension among his people. So the Lord's taking, Jesus is taking that another step and saying, if you're a peacemaker, you're a child of God. Where Solomon's saying, if you're, a, if you're causing dissension among, and division among God's people, that's an abomination to God. So, Jesus is concurring there. And then blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of God is there. And that, and he doesn't stop there. He said, 
that's the end of the technical B attitudes, but then Jesus expands on that last one and says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Be happy about it. Be glad because a great reward awaits you. Man, that's huge. Think about it. Your reward is in heaven. He tells us that. Because you persevere, because you overcome, because you do what's right, because you don't let yourself succumb to the persecution and lash out, which he gets to here. All right? He says, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt when it loses its flavor? You're the light of the world, so let your light shine. Let it shine in your deeds. Remember, not through your mouth, but through your deeds. Let them see something's different in you by the way you act, react, and interact. All right? And then he talks about how his word never fails. He says, the heaven and earth will disappear, but my word will never end. Okay? That's in there. Okay? And then he tells us, we want to be better and more righteous than the teachers of religious law. And he says that because the teachers of religious law are on the outside acting one way, but on the inside where your affair of the heart is, are hard-hearted, they don't believe in Jesus, and they don't have any care for fellow people. And remember, Jesus is teaching here that we have to believe with our heart. What did God say the greatest commandment was way back in Deuteronomy? <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the God alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So it's got to be an affair of the heart. You can't see, you know, and just because I don't, see my sister or my mom or my dad doesn't mean I don't love them any less or my kids that don't live at home anymore doesn't mean I don't love them any less they're still a huge part of my life and I love them so you can be in relationship with your heavenly father Jesus Christ the son and the holy spirit with your heart that's biblical so Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't be acting on one way and not walking in the other way. Because they'll never see the kingdom. So he keeps going on and he's, he talks about some really important things. Because now is when Jesus takes the actual Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. But remember, even he says, but I'm telling you. You know, the commandment says, thou shalt not commit murder. But I'm telling you this. if Even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment and in danger of the fires of hell. So if you got that kind of pent-up anger, when you go take communion or go to the altar, you need to go try to write that with somebody. You need to go ask for forgiveness for somebody. And so 
That's critical. You got to clear your heart, basically, is what he's saying. Commandment says you shall not commit adultery. But I say even if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you've already committed adultery. And, man, that's huge because there's so many people that gawk, you know, and look, married people. Man, I, I could tell you stories that, you know, cheat on each other because they fantasize, look at, and do things that just put their spouse on a back burner. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're here for. And, you know, so he teaches about divorce and about vows. And and he goes into revenge and how we always think, I'm going to get even. And he says, no, don't get even. We got to love our enemies just as we love those that are easy to love. Even sinners love those that are easy to love. But we're supposed to be above that. So we need to love those that persecute us. Remember, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And so in chapter 5, he just kind of expands on those things, you know. And in chapter 6, he's talking about giving to the needy. And it's like when you give, don't draw attention to yourself. Give so your right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And, you know, a lot of times we give and we're proud of giving. And it's like, well, I did this and I did that. And the Lord's like, no, give so they don't even know who gave it. And that reminds me of a story one time in our our ministry life, you know, we didn't have Christmas money. And I we don't always put out there that we are in need cuz just as you don't talk about, you know, you don't uh let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. We you don't also go out there and I'll get to that. It's about fasting. We just figure our lack of funding for thir- certain things is like fasting. We don't draw attention to that. We don't not comb our hair like this says in the next section about fasting. We we do things the way we do. But word got out, and so what happened was, and we were kind of sweating it because, you know, our kids were used to not having much anyway, but we were like, man, we'd like to at least have something for them, right? Well, we get this Christmas card in the mail, which came from somebody with no return address, and we open it, and in it were five $100 gift cards to Walmart. And there was no signature, no writing other than be blessed. And we just, my wife and I just started weeping because we were like, oh man, this is only the Lord. This is so awesome. Thank you, whoever did this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you're on the podcast and that was you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That rescued us. And we were so just thankful but that's how people give when they're given without 
the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So we took note of that. So when we do the same now when we can, when we help others, we just kind of slide it in there and try not to draw attention to it. And that's how we try to help people when we can too. So Jesus gets into forgiveness. He teaches the Lord's Prayer first. In which, you know, a lot of us know that. That's one of the first prayers we get. That's in Matthew 6, starting at verse 9. But then he says this. Here, here's two things that could really determine our whole eternity, folks. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But here's the real kicker, and this is the one thing that I think we really have to consider every single day because so many people hold on to things and so many people hold grudges and so many people walk around with a lack of trust and they they i mean they just hold on to things that's the only way i can put it verse 15 says if you refuse to forgive others your Father will not forgive you your sins. So what's that say? That says if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So that's a huge thing, people, because first of all, he says if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. And you say, but I've, I'm living like I'm supposed to live. But it says your sins. You could be living everything to the T, but what we will find out is even if we're living everything to the T, if we're not forgiving, the key is your sins. It's against what God is about if we aren't forgiving, and that's sin. And you say, well, so-and-so did that, and that was really bad, really, 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 really bad. And you can add whatever really, really bad is. But Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, your father, that's sinfulness. That's hate. What do you say about hate? In the last chapter, he said, if you hate someone, you're in danger of judgment. And so then he expands on that again in this chapter that if you're not willing to forgive, because it says if you refuse to forgive, your father will not forgive your sins. Basically saying no forgiveness puts us into a realm of sin because Satan has a foothold on you and that little piece of your heart is still dark and he's not going to forgive you because you haven't surrendered everything to God. Does that mean the hurt goes away? Not necessarily. But it means you haven't surrendered everything to God and let God walk you through it. Because Jesus goes into, by no mistake, wherever you store your treasures is where your desires of your heart is. And the eye is like a lamp which provides light to your whole body. And when there's light, your eye is healthy. But when you're, there is 
know when your eye is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. And, you know, we're going to get to another gospel that says that a little differently, which is more clear. But the fact is, if we aren't forgiving, our eye has a spot of darkness in it, which leaves our heart uncleansed. And so then he goes into no one can serve two masters. So we want to serve Jesus, but we want to hold on to the hurt. So we want to serve Jesus, and we want to hold on to the grudge, and we want to serve Jesus, and we don't want to be forgiving. And it's like we're serving these two masters, and we end up, he says, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So we're, we are, we'll love, so we love the Lord, but we end up, hating that grudge and then that grudge we say you got to get rid of the grudge and to love the lord and then the grudge becomes bigger than and and we're like nope i can't get rid of it and then we push god clear out of the picture and then he flips it on you can't serve god and be enslaved to money because money was the biggest thing there Key big thing about the money part is we get enslaved to it. We got to have this and we got to have that, and we end up getting ourselves in debt to where we have to work so we can pay for the little payments we have because now we have to have it. And then if we don't have it, I mean, we have to have so many hours of this and so many hours of that to make all the bills, and we technically really become enslaved to money instead of just having some to get by we are now enslaved to it to make ourselves have enough to get by for all the stuff we've created debt for in our life and then that creates worry and stress and he says don't worry i've already taken care of you i will always take care of you can all your worries add to a single moment in your life and he says, here's the key word, which I was getting to. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. <laughs> Seek his righteousness first. And when we do that, he'll give us everything we need. So he ends this part by saying, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And this this scripture was my daughter's favorite scripture is, and she printed it out and had it on her door of her room and would have it on uh, one of the books she carried every day. And now my son that I was with yesterday he knows this because he knows Matthew really well from Bible quizzing back when he was in high school. And so he knows this verse, and he actually quotes this to me once in a while, which is really cool. So chapter 7 gets into uh, do not judge others, which I love. Judge not lest you be judged. You know, how can you... Talk about the speck in your friend's eye when you got such a plank in yours. I love this because we get so judgmental. And it's like, you know, 
Jesus didn't come here to judge us. He come here to save us. He come here to be relevant to us and just to teach us and show us. And right here he's teaching us. It's called Sermon on the Mount because he's on a mountainside over the Sea of Galilee teaching us how to be relevant, how to be good people, how to be more than just a bunch of do's and don'ts, but to just live it out in our life. He talks about effective prayer and how we just keep asking the Lord and, and believe in our heart and he will he will provide for us. The golden rules in here, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But then he gets into the narrow gate and he's talking about the narrow gate because it's the narrow path. And the gate to heaven is very narrow, but the gate to hell is really broad. So what it is is if you want to walk this narrow path to heaven and go through the narrow gate it's going to be hard because the world has got all these other things that we're so used to and so easy to get through but he says it's worth it it'll be difficult but it's worth it think about the prize man everything you do that you really want to obtain is not easy but once you reach the goal it's there. My kids are both seniors in college. One's a fifth-year senior. One's a senior. And two of my kids. And it's hard. And I keep telling them about when I was going to paramedic school and how the last year of it was so difficult. But I had people pushing me on saying, yes, do it, do it. My kids that already graduated college are the same way. Hey, yeah, the last year's hard, but you got to do it. Keep your eye on the prize. Come on. And so... Anything that's worth obtaining is never easy. And if we want to reach heaven, we got to remember that it's going to be hard, but it's so worth just following Jesus and just staying out of all that other hubbub. And he says, watch out for the false prophets. Man, this is so huge because there's so many people out there that, that play the role. But he says, you'll know them by their fruit because good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit so we really got to look at that and see does their testimony line up with what they're saying do they live what they're li saying they are and that's one of the truth the best things we can do and so jesus teaches all this stuff on the sermon on the mount i've really abbreviated it for you to keep it down I would read this. This is so huge. But he really takes the Ten Commandments and says more. They're, they're more than just words on a paper that you only violate in commission. They are literally things that start in the heart because the Lord is a relationship of the heart. And when he taught this, it amazed the people because he taught with such authority. And that's where this chapter ends today. So I encourage you to read this if you haven't, but if you don't have time, just know that the Lord wants to be in a relationship with you in your heart. That's where it starts. Yeah, we don't see him, but here's the one thing. We know he exists. We know he's there. We see his works around us all the time when we let him into our life. And that's the greatest part about it. And we can feel his presence when we just 
read this. Because this is a living word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never go away. Man, that's huge. So have a great Monday. What a great way to start your work week. And we'll get more into Jesus' teachings tomorrow. We'll see you then.